0: Oh, it's great to be here. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you are with us. Got a lot to get to here on the show. We'll talk with Justin Blaylock, former Atlanta Falcons offensive guard. Home team, Brandon Leak, 6A, the fan, and the co-host of the home team and Hamilton Show. Uh, will join us here on the program and we'll look at, well, I guess you call it football last night for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, another bad performance last night, fellas, they get shut out. They actually could have had three, but a penalty got in the way. They backed it up five yards and then missed the field goal. And the Falcons have now gone eight quarters and gotten three points, no touchdowns. And actually, they scored early in the fourth quarter against the Saints, so it's almost nine quarters. I think they've gone without a touchdown. Uh, That's the one saving grace. So eight full quarters without a touchdown, three total points in those eight quarters. You barely got—BJ, you said uh, we were talking before the show. You're like, yeah, the Falcons had 160-some-odd yards of offense. And I was like, how'd they get to there? I think they only had 100 yards of offense late in the third quarter, and it was rough. Uh, You had three quarterbacks play. They all threw picks. You actually didn't get a horrendous effort from your defense, believe it or not, and it was all for naught. Just— Who would have thought, and and Ben, I know we talk about this on the show, like, hey, how do you follow up a horrible performance? And we talked to Orlando on Monday. He said, oh, the Cowboys was a bad matchup. Well, then what the heck was last night? A
1: disaster. (laughs) I mean, mean, it was a disaster because, Kevin, you make a really interesting point. Before we get into the offense and the struggles there, defensively, I, I think you were actually pretty good. I mean, New England ended up with 26, but keep in mind, that's with the pick six. So defensively, you actually held the Patriots to less than 20. Uh, uh, A.J. Terrell had an interception, and you had three sacks. So if you go back to our keys to the game yesterday, we were all saying you've got to get some pressure. You were able to do that, and you've got to force some turnovers, and you entered the game with three interceptions all season, so I'll consider getting one pick in one game successful, Uh, You did those things, but offensively, and, you know, Ben, we were kind of going over some of the all-time bad losses or offensive performances during the show meeting, but, man, the offensive line was just getting destroyed up front, and Matt Ryan's numbers were really bad. Same for Josh Rosen and Felipe Franks, but there was not much you could do. I mean, as soon as he was getting the ball, there were multiple rushers in the backfield. Uh, Sometimes they would show, you know, the bird's-eye view or whatever, of the, of the length of the field, and there weren't many guys open. I mean, give New England credit defensively, but when you're a quarterback and you can't run the football and you can't block and nobody's getting open, and I think that was a direct tweet from you last night, Kevin, <laughs> There, there's not a whole lot you can do, and the offensive line just really had a hard time. And, and I know you've had injuries, you've changed positions, whatever, but you were consistently blown off the ball, there was not separation downfield and then when i evaluate atlanta right now it's not just that you got shut out and that doesn't happen in the league i mean maybe a couple of times a year across all the games but you don't get shut out in the in, in the national football league it's not just that it's that you lost 43 to 3 games you've been outscored 7 three to
2: I mean, I, I mean, for me, for me, Kevin and BJ, it, it's, it's, it's as simple as this. When you talk about this Atlanta team, you talk about what they don't have on offense, they don't have a lot of offensive weapons, they don't have a lot of <clears throat> offensive firepower, and you knew that Kyle Pitts was going to be taken away. There was 0% chance that Bill Belichick was going to let Kyle Pitts hurt them last night. The problem is, Kevin, we was like, hey, man, what all do, what all do uh, Cordell Patterson Really, uh, you know what does he do? Well, he keeps the offense going, run the football. He helps move the chains through the through the air, and he's just an offensive joke. You didn't have that hall last night. People going, why was Matty Ice going crazy? Were you watching the game? I do not know how good New England Patriots' uh, defense line is. I don't think they got a bunch of world beaters on that defensive line. I don't see no. Uh, I don't see no. Uh, you know, Vince Wilforks no Richard Richard Seymour's, but last night. Matty Ice was literally running for his life. He could not get the pay. He could not get the ball off. It is third and one. You need one yard. What's our best play? A pass. Why? Because we can't run it. Like we literally cannot run the football. And for those of you who be saying, hey, put a backup in. You got to see both of them last night. <laughs> Josh Rosen and Felipe. Pick, pick, get the hell out. I'm just saying, it's like it was bad. AJ Terrell showed why he is one of the best young cornerbacks in the league. Problem is, he, he got a pick for nothing. You came away with nothing. You get the first, you get the field goal, it's a penalty. They back it up. You miss. <laughs> this Falcons team, man, it's gonna be a long year. Because Mandy Ice is giving you all he has. He's really giving you everything. He has. But what you saw last night was a team that has no offensive identity, a team that B.J. actually did play well on defense, but playing well on defense doesn't matter because guess what? You know what the offense usually does? Complimentary. No Ridley. No Cardell Patterson. Big problem. Huge problem. Because – I don't want to hear this. Hey, man, they need to find a way to get Kyle Pitts the ball more. Not in the Bill Belichick defense. They're gonna play him, they're gonna play him, you know, uh, with that, with that, uh, with that uh, linebacker to that near side, maybe that slot corner and that safety. He's not getting open. Now, Bill Belichick, this is what he does. He's very complimentary, uh, Kevin and BJ before the game. Oh man, when I watch him, he's like a mix of Antonio Gates, Shannon Sharp, and uh, you know, Tony Gonzalez not gonna get the ball. That means he ain't getting that today. He might be the future, but right now. In the present, we're not giving him nothing. Matty Ice, I commend you for staying in the game, for not looking for a reason to come out. But listen, when you, whenever you see a, when, Matty Ice, look at how long it takes him to get off the ground. You know, you know what never happens? His offensive linemen help him up. You should help him up. You're the reason why he's on the ground. So for Atlanta, you get 10 days off. Hopefully you get guys healthy because that was rough. 25-0. to You've scored three points in four quarters. You're an NFL franchise. No, 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 no. You're a respectable NFL franchise. You're a franchise that matters. It's one thing when we know you're bad. Now everybody knows because everybody watched last night and all I saw was Devcom 6. Oh, my God. What are they going to do? <laughs> they can't run it. They can't throw it. They can't protect it. I know we're going to talk to Justin Blaylock later on. When you hear the words retooled offensive line, that means you got a bunch of people playing out of position. That means you got guards playing center. You got, you got, you got, you got tackles playing gu- it's, it, it was bad, Kevin. And unfortunately, what we saw last night is the best on the team. That's the crazy part. The best the Atlanta Falcons have to offer is what, is what we saw last night. And I don't know how good the Patriots are. I don't know if they're 25 points better than Atlanta. They showed that last night. But for those, who, who, for those of you who are thinking that New England don't do this to a lot of people, in 2009 – my Titans, I wasn't on the team then, but my Titans went up to Foxboro and they lost 59 to 0. The stat line passing was this. Kerry Collins and Vince Young, I think went two for six for like negative 15 yards <laughs> and two picks. Nate Washington had one catch. For negative 22 yards, either he ran back when he caught it or they threw it back to him 22 yards, tried to do a double pass. So all I'm saying is embarrassing losses happen. It's how you bounce back. Unfortunately, Kevin, how do you bounce back from two? Because in the last two weeks, what? 43, 53, 63. 68 to three is what you've given up. Gave up 68. Only score at three. That doesn't give a. Even if Cordell yeah. was there last night, I don't know how much he he helped.
0: No, it wouldn't. No, it, no, I, it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly don't think it would have mattered. I, I, again, because you would say, okay, if Cordell Patterson was there, Kodri Allison's not playing, and he actually had a few good runs. So you're just basically, I think you're just swapping out some production there. Uh, if you played, maybe you get a few more things working in the passing game, but no, it was bad. Uh, just uh, that, that's as bad as I've seen an NFL offensive line play and an offense uh, in general. And, uh, you know, we've sat there and watched the Jag- I mean, and again, the Falcons have the Jags a week from Sunday. Hmm. I, I, oh, oh, I, I oh, mean, that oh, might be a 10-7 to gonna seven game.
2: <laughs> oh, it's going to be the – because think about this. But,
0: but I mean, that was, if, if you're Matt Ryan, this is honest, I, 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 and I know everybody in the league is a competitor, Ben, and you would never say, take me out of the game. But if I'm Matt Ryan at the half, and I guess you're still in the game, but looking at how it was going. I mean, you're getting beat up. I mean, in the back of your mind, you're like, maybe my foot is a little tweaked, and I just don't need to go back out there because I may not make it. You talk about making business decisions mm-hmm. all the time in football. Yep. I'm sitting there hoping Matt Ryan was going to make a business decision for himself nope, and say, nope, "Look, nope, 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 nope. I can't. I'm, I'm not going I'm, out there." I'm
2: going to tell you why. This is something me and Christian. Because I mean, he's going he, to. He no, that no, could no, have been I'm, it. I'm, I'm going to tell y'all something that I respect the most about Matt Ryan. Everybody, fans, players. Lovers of the game. We are all front runners. We are all better fans when we're winning. We are all better players when we winning. But you show the type of player you are when you are losing with no win in sight. There wasn't. Listen, there was no light – But the he also could have yesterday.
0: been lost for the year if he, he takes one what, bad what, hit. What, I mean well, that's. But,
2: but, but what it is is Maddie Ice is showing this is the type of player I am, fellas. Like, I'm not looking for a reason to bow out. Y'all dudes, I can only do so much. And I respect that. But for those cause Listen, I'm speaking to my mother and father in particular. Man, they need to go with Rosen. They need to go with Franks. Franks threw one pass. Pick. (laughs) He threw one. Right? Josh Rosen, I think, threw three. And one of those was a pick. The NFL, people, it's not for the timid. It's not for the weak-hearted. This is a grown-man collision sport. You either get with it or get lost. I respect Matty Ice. But forget that, Kevin. He won't make it the rest of the season like that. He will not Make it so. If you are an Atlanta fan, you should respect Matty Ice. He's not looking for a reason to come out the game, BJ. But BJ, my focus are your Jags. That might be the brawl for it all. <laughs> and, and, and all I'm saying is, I, I like the Jags right now because outside of Kyle Pitts catching passes and Cordell Patterson, hopefully coming off the injury coming off the injury list, Deion Jones, Grady Jarrett, Dante Fowler. Where he at? They played better yesterday. But A.J. Terrell, man, keep doing what you're doing, still showing a lot of fights, still showing why he's still one of the best young cornerbacks in this league.
1: Overwhelming. I just don't know what you do.
2: Yeah, uh,
0: look, it was bad all the way around, and I think the question, if you're a Falcons fan, is where's the turn? Where is the turn in the right direction? Uh, because in, in every rebuild, in any, any coach that's uh, you know trying to get uh, a team turned around, they're going to say, look, it could be bad, but there's going to come, come a moment where it starts to turn and you can see it going the other way. Where Where's that going to be? Where's that coming from? Because I don't know if you if – I mean, if, if I appreciate Matt Ryan. I totally agree with what you're saying, Ben. I respect Matt Ryan. But at the same time, you've got to be being honest with yourself going, am I going to make it seven more weeks if the blocking doesn't get any better? Because Calvin no, really no, can't go. He no, Calvin he's, Ridley- not gonna, he's,
2: not he's not gonna make it. He's not gonna make it. He's not gonna make it. The team gonna have to. Like sometimes you got to pick up your veteran. You got to play better for him. You got Matt Ryan, a guy who's uh, you know a savvy vet. Now you appreciate need your, that, but I mean, it's like need, you have no really. weapons. And no, you and, don't. You don't. I mean, you are gonna need really to come back. I
0: mean, but he can't come back till the end of the month. Cordero Patterson. We'll see if he can come back next week. But you, your blocking's bad. You don't have a lot of weapons. Uh I mean, if I'm Matt Ryan, I, I'm not saying he's going to publicly say this or say it to the coach, but you've got to be in the back of your mind going, it's only a matter of time before I just take a shot and I'm not going to be able to get up because it, it's every snap. I mean, it's it's every single time I drop back, there's somebody there. And so, uh, you know, I as, as great as Matty Ice is, that's one thing we love about him. He does not miss games. Mm-hmm. But at some point, Good Lord! I mean, I mean, it's just an NFL fact. I mean, you look at uh, you know Derek Carr, most hit quarterback in the league. Career did not last very long. There were stretches for Matt Ryan uh, early on in his career where he was the most hit quarterback in the league. Didn't miss games. I, that was when he was in his twenties. Can you be the most hit quarterback in the league now and make it? I, no, I, again, no. I, I don't. There's no way. And I would. I'm hoping to see a sign that it might turn around at some point. We'll chat with home team Brandon Leak co-host of the home team and Hamilton show 6 the fan there in Atlanta. We'll get his thoughts on what was truly a disastrous performance from the Falcons last night. And where is that turn? Is there a sign of positivity at some point uh, in this Falcons team? We'll ask him that next. It's three and out. Hit us up on Twitter at pigskin radio. We're streaming live at ESPN coastal. Good to have you here. Three and out on this Friday, Kevin BJ and Ben tough night. Needless to say for the, Atlanta Falcons last night. Our next guest, the co-host of the home team in Hamilton Show on 6A, the fan in Atlanta. Home team, Brandon Leak joins us here on 3-and-out. Home team, just when you thought it couldn't get much worse after the, uh, the Cowboys game, the, uh, the Falcons kind of won up themselves last night, especially offensively.
3: Well, it certainly was a night, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> not one we haven't seen in, you know, going back to the 1980s. You want to say it's unbelievable, but after what we saw in Dallas, I think we can see where the bottom, hopefully this is the bottom of this rebuild for the Falcons because the last two weeks indicate that uh, you can't do much worse than that offensively or combined defensively when you talk about what happened both weeks.
1: What can you do about the offensive line to try to, I I guess, provide some consistent protection up front for Matt Ryan? Well,
3: not much. You're just going to have to – figure out if you can alter scheme a little bit, see if you can uh, maybe go quicker a little bit. Uh, the problem is if you can pass and run, they can set up a screen game, which can help you out a little bit. But when you can't do any of it, you can't fool anybody on a screen, um, it, it really is just the bottom of the rebuild. When you talk about where the Falcons were a few years in the Super Bowl, where they are now, um, they just can't run the ball. They're Swiss Army Knife. Cordero Patterson, not a part of the game. He was out, and they were unable to run the football. Uh, the offensive line was able to get pushed. They weren't able to get oh, one yard on third and one or fourth and one, and um, it couldn't protect Matt Ryan. So, really, it's a bad situation for Arthur Smith. Really, you need to look at Arthur Smith and look at the fact that he won He won as many games already this year with no money and not all of his players as Dan Quinn did uh, and the Falcons did their last game. Uh, last year, when they had their players and spent the money they wanted to spend.
2: And home team, I mean, what with the rest of the season still, you know, still to be played. I mean, are there any bright spots, you know, on this offense, on this team? Because when you think about a guy like Matty Ice, he's gonna give you all he got, but he won't make it the rest of the season with those type of performance with the offensive line.
3: Yeah, you know, Ben, if you can't run the ball, bad things are going to happen. If you can't run the ball, Matt Ryan's going to have to throw it a lot more you can't run the ball, Matt Ryan's uh, ability to be sacked a little bit more is going to go up. So it comes down to running the ball. I mean, if you want to look for a bright spot, Kadri Allison was able to get into the game. Haven't seen him over the last few years. Uh, Last week we saw Wayne Gallman at the end of the game. He was able to get 55 yards rushing. So they were trying to mix some guys in. Um, Unfortunately, Mike Davis has been a disappointment. Uh, He was a backup in Carolina when McCaffrey got hurt last year took over those duties, but he hasn't been able to do anything in the run game. And until this team can get better blocking or run the ball a little bit better, I just don't see how they're going to beat the better teams in the NFL. Lower-tier teams, uh, they can find ways to compete, but when you look at the scoreboard and look at the schedule, what it's produced this year, they play teams that have elite offenses. Bad things typically happen to the Falcons.
0: So you're saying the best hope might be next week with Jacksonville uh, to try to get another win uh, at this point with Atlanta.
3: Well, you can't count your chickens before they (laughs) catch because it took the last second field goal to beat the Giants. You had to come back and put away the Dolphins. You uh, didn't completely have everything under control with the Jets. So, even the lesser teams, the Falcons, are not in a position where they can call their shot, and they just need to find a way – to get some consistency with the offense because defensively they just don't have enough. No push, no pass rush, not enough ability to impact the game defensively. And that's the sad part about last night is that the defense actually had a pretty good game. It was a two-score deficit in the fourth quarter with the Falcons doing absolutely nothing on offense. And even then, the offense couldn't take advantage of the defense's good performance. So this is going to have to be a team... For the offense does the heavy lifting.
1: So, how do you measure progress moving forward with a team that what has scored three points the last two games?
3: It's um, a good question. Yardage, you know, because I don't, I don't know what expectations for this team is win wise. You know, with a new game uh, added to the schedule, you know, what is the average team now? Is it is it an eight nine year, seven and ten year? You know, what does it mean? You know, how many more games can the Falcons? realistically win when you look at winnable games jacksonville detroit maybe carolina uh but you got some bad boys and some headbusters you have to deal with the 49ers and the buffalo bills and uh tampa bay again and the saints defense again i mean, i just don't know where expectations lie now you know until they can get the salary cap under control and they can get some players in here who can make plays this is what a rebuild looks like it looks like three point. In two weeks, at a shutout at home on a Thursday night football game.
2: Cam Newton recently got named a starter in Carolina. You talk about Tampa Bay; they are a very, very complete team. New Orleans already got beat by Atlanta, even though they are in the rebuild. Every team's got to have some type of identity. What is the identity of this Falcons team right now?
3: Well, right now it's a team. If they score, that can throw the football a little bit. The problem is they need all of their pieces. Kyle Pitts can't dominate a game right now when he's the only person out there that can make a play down the field. Calvin Ridley being away from the team with mental health issues really has impacted the weaponry. I mean, think about it. I'm going to have to go back and look deep into the archives, maybe blow some dust off of some old media guys to try to find a more paltry wide receiving core. Hayden Hurst was out last night. So Matt Ryan in a game where the team can't run for him, they can't block him, and Kyle Pitts is being double-teamed and shut down by the mastermind, Bill Belichick, has to throw to Russell Gage, Taji Sharp, and to Alameda uh, Zacchaeus. I mean, they're just not any playmakers on this team, but when they have had time, when Matt Ryan wasn't being knocked around and wasn't being sacked, he had some very productive moments early in the season. You just hope they'll be able to get that back with eight weeks of football left to go.
0: And again, home team, a lot of times when you see performances like that from the Falcons, you start to hear the, uh, the calls from the team, well, let's just stink for a draft pick. Let's just try to get as high a draft pick as you can. That may not be a good strategy for this team. One, Ben's talked about this. You don't want to develop that culture of losing just for a draft pick, and this team obviously, as judged by this most recent draft, has more problems than one pick's going to be able to solve.
3: Yeah, I don't think taking works in the NFL. The only team... Well, the only sport we're taking really works is the NBA because one superstar player, you know, can completely change your franchise. It completely changes free agents who want to come play with you. It completely changes guys who are already on the team that might want to stay to try to win a championship. In football, you know, the good teams keep picking towards the back end of the draft anyway, and they stay pretty much a competitive and good team for a run. The Falcons have had their run and now it's time for them to rebuild. I mean, I would just say, look at Panay Sewell and how he was talked about, how he was going to be a franchise changer. Well, uh, his team doesn't have a win yet. So it takes time. My position in the NFL, just pick right. it's your turn to pick? Whether it's first, whether it's 28th, whether it's 31st, wherever it is, you need to pick right. And that's what the Falcons have suffered for. What we saw last night was the remnants. You know, we're bottoming out the remnants of what Thomas DeBittroff and Dan Quinn weren't able to do repeatedly, which was pick right, which is why it was wrong going up against the New England Patriots in the shutout last night in front of the world.
1: Is there some criticism, or should there be, for Arthur Smith? Or at this point, is it just kind of, I mean, it is what it is when you talk about the personnel.
3: I don't think you can blame Arthur Smith. If you want to blame any coach for strategy, for in-game decisions, I, I don't think that's above uh, and beyond the line of you know, being a fan or being a critic. He doesn't do something on the fourth down. I Last week he went it on fourth and seven, didn't get it. People accused him of, you know, changing the momentum. He personally, I don't know how, you know, kicking a field goal when you were up 10 to, to three was going to stop the Cowboys from scoring another 40 points. That being said, I don't think this is his fault. I think this is the fault of the last regime. You have no playmakers. You have no explosiveness. Don't have any pass rush. You don't have any stud players on defense. You have some young players. AJ Terrell made a good play, but your best players are Matt Ryan, Cordero Patterson, who was supposed to be the backup running back, and Youngway Koo who was a Pro Bowl kicker last year.
2: They're already in the rebuild. Obviously, Arthur Smith was a guy that's trying to find his footing. When you think about he came, he came from uh, you know Tennessee because of uh, you know Derrick Henry, but what? Is, I mean, is there any sign of hope? I understand that football is hard to win and it's hard to win consistently. But what do they have to do, home team, for, before the, even the next game? Because at the end of the day, you've got to have something going to play on a Jags team that held Buffalo to six points. Well, the good thing is they
3: have a, an extended time off with a short week. So they'll get 11 days off. They can kind of treat it like a mini-buy. Get healthy. That'll be good for Cordero Patterson. I think now, you know, with the extra time and playing a team that has a rookie quarterback, you know, maybe you can find out some things uh, that can get you back on track. The funny part is, you know, outside of the games where they've been rocked, the Falcons have been competitive. And when they've been competitive, they've been right there at the end. So I think that's where they need to get. They weren't competitive last night yet. 80 total yards, you know, in the third quarter last night. You weren't moving the ball You had 40 yards rushing uh, when you talk about going to the fourth quarter. So, was nothing going on they have to get something going on fortunately it looks like it hinges on cordero patterson and hopefully getting him back in the lineup will fix a whole lot on the offensive and defensive side of the ball
0: home team brandon leak our guest here on three and out you can catch him on 680 the fan atlanta co-host of the home team and hamilton show home team we appreciate the time have a great weekend anytime fellas appreciate it home team brandon leak joining us here on three and out we'll come back justin blaylock former falcons guard steps in we'll ask him About that, Falcons back here three and out on this Friday. Atlanta Falcons, tough go last night, shut out by the New England Patriots. And, of course, a lot of talk about that offense and the offense that wasn't uh, last night there in Atlanta. Joining us uh, here on the program, uh, spent his entire career there with the Atlanta Falcons, a second-round pick out of the University of Texas. Uh, Offensive guard Justin Blaylock joins us here on three and out. Justin, welcome to the show. How are you?
4: I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having
0: me on. Hey, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, obviously the Falcons struggled last night. A big reason folks are pointing to that offensive line and a question that's been there for a uh, a lot of the season. When you're talking about putting together a group of five guys up front, how do you kind of just figure out who does what well, and how, how do you, I guess, raise the level of play while you're in season uh, there amongst those guys up front?
4: My goodness, it, it, it's really tough to do, you know, during the middle of the season. And, uh, I mean, I, after watching last night, there were a, a myriad of issues, mostly. Um, and unfortunately, the, the best and, you know, most tried and true way to do it is, is time served, essentially. Um, but what you're going to have to do is simplify things. Um, uh, a lot of the issues that they're – looks like they're having is, you know, communication, uh, confusion up front. Uh, and these things, you know, whether it's on the practice field or um, unfortunately sometimes during a game, uh, the best way to learn it to see it. But um, if you're able to maybe uh, you know, do some slightly less complicated stuff up front, it's, it's not going to be sexy. You know, you're not going to be putting up 40 points a game, but um, hell, you're getting blank now, so what's the difference? Can
1: an offensive line improve kind of player-to-player individually, or does an offensive line, Justin, have to improve collectively as kind of one unit?
4: Uh, uh, Of course. You know, every every player can uh, get better individually. Um, In fact, that's probably easier uh, because it just takes, you know, one guy – Studying a little harder, lifting a little more more weight, you know, to improve incrementally. Um, Unfortunately, it is a a, a tougher, more arduous process to have five guys, uh, you know, get better collectively. And uh, you know, when when I was there, we had maybe a stretch of three and a half, four years where, you know, we had the same lineup, you know, damn near every week, and. you know, that type of continuity is unfortunately what it really takes uh, short of having, you know, five Hall of Famers and then the uh, free era, free agency era that's not going to happen anymore.
2: And, Justin, there's communication and then there's communication among the offensive line. But what people don't understand is if you used to playing guard, communicating with the center, if you used to playing tackle, communicating with the guard, but now y'all are interchangeable, how much is it you guys are trying to make sure that my skill set holds well with the guys next to me saying, Look, fellas, I don't know what we've been doing up until this point, but we're gonna to have to find a way to jail sooner rather than later because the competition is only gonna get better. We're gonna to have to be learn to be, you know, one of those staples of this team because as you know, just like I know, the offensive line that is that is uh, you know, uh, the base for any team, regardless of how good or not good the guys are around them.
4: Uh, you you hit the nail on the head right there. Um you know, no, no matter what you know, you've been accustomed to playing or you know, what have you, um, you know, that's part of the business. Lines get shuffled, um, whether it be for injury or what, what have you. Uh, and, you know, the, the more things you can do, uh, obviously, the better you're able to serve a team. But, uh, yes, the communication will uh, suffer initially anytime anyone moves positions. I mean, if you went from, you know, uh, tight end to wide receiver, you're gonna have to learn, you know, new jargon and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So this this is no different. Um, It's very easy to look like, oh man, they're just all they're doing is just pushing people. Uh, (laughs) Well, a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, So it it does take some time, you know, when you even if you just switch sides and play the same position, uh, it's a little bit different. Because maybe the guy you're next to has a way that, you know, they're used to communicating, um, you know, with the person that they're used to playing next to. Um, so some some things, goodness, you play next to a guy so long, uh, I mean, you can a certain head nod, you know, can be all you need for a play. But um, I, I know they're one of the younger lines in football right now, so they they probably need to, you know, do everything. I mean damn near spell it out for each other. <laughs> I
0: was going to say, Justin play like Jordan us here on 3 and now you mentioned something. How much did that as a, as a player kind of get on your nerves when, uh, you know, guys who are not in football are like, come on, man, just get in somebody's way out there. That, you're like, it's a little bit more involved than just go stand in front of somebody, right? I mean, how, how much did that kind of drive you nuts when, when people would say that kind of stuff?
4: <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really bother me. Uh, I mean, my, my own mom is that way. Um, uh, well, she was for maybe the first five years. <laughs> I finally had to you know, uh getting through to her like, hey, it's not just, you know, standing in front of people and pushing them. Uh there's a lot going on. Uh you know defensive coordinators are getting craftier and craftier, trying to confuse offenses. Uh they have to do everything in their in their power I mean you can't hit anybody anymore, so you have to confuse people. Um uh, so there's a lot going on, uh, the, the game within the game, if you will, that, that needs to be um, you know, communicated b- beforehand. And, I mean, I don't know what they're being taught, but it, looking at film, it, it appears that people are confused. There's miscommunication, people running into each other, uh, people leaving free rushers, uh, you know, left and right. So whatever... That process is, you know, somewhere there's a disconnect and, you know, guys aren't, I don't know if they're, you know, whatever they're hearing, when the film comes on, uh, there's confusion, there's people being left unblocked and when they are on the right page, sometimes, I mean, they're just getting beat, Uh, which is going to happen, you know, these are the best players in the world and you can live with that occasionally. But uh, you know, to have both things happening is a recipe for disaster, and we saw a little bit of that last night. What can what
1: can you do as a play caller to, I guess, alleviate some of the the, the stress on the offensive line?
4: Uh, well, you could call, uh, or you could adapt the Baltimore Ravens playbook, or one uh, of these teams that you know runs the ball primarily, but you have to be in games to run the ball. So there's, there's really a lot of things. I mean, it's really easy for me, for me to say, oh, man, you know, just fire off hit people in the mouth. Well, you know, if you're getting down early in games, you kind of have to sit back and throw it a bunch. Uh, but I, I think scheming things that are uh, more suited to what your guys do well, uh, you know, allowing some easier plays, whether it's some boots, uh, nakeds, you know, things of that nature where, you know, it's a little less or a little more margin for error uh, and and get to build some confidence early. Um, You know, if if you're just seeing runs get stuffed or, you know, seeing a bunch of sacks early in games, it's really difficult to, you know, get any type of momentum going.
2: And, Justin, you mentioned it. I mean, uh, you know, uh, obviously I played with some incredible offensive linemen like yourself, guys who want to get out there and, uh, you know, they want to get out there pulling, trap blocks, different. Like the intricacies of the game itself at the the offensive line position. But like you mentioned, every single day, if you're right-hand dominant, but you're on the left side. If you're left-hand dominant, but you're on the right side. If you're a guard playing tackle, tackle playing guard. These things don't go away the whole year. They expect you to become something you've never been because you're getting paid. Just talk about the fact that they'll say, hey, Justin, need you to play left tackle this week. You can do it, but that's not what you have grown up to be. Just talk about just being able to constantly have to adjust, not just every game, but every single play trying to get comfortable at a position you've never done.
4: Sure. Uh, That would be extremely tough. I was was fortunate to never have to really move around too much, you know, once I kind of got in my groove uh well like you said I, I played right tackle in college um kind of out of necessity uh, and then I come over and start playing you know inside and on the opposite side uh, once I make it to the you know professional ranks so these things do take time uh, but but they i mean of course they, they can be learned uh it helps if you're you know you you're suited uh, to doing such things i mean, it's, it's going to be difficult if you're a six foot one, two hundred eighty pound center asked to play left tackle. I mean, yes, I can learn the plays, but uh <laughs> gonna have a hell of a time actually going out there and trying to block somebody. Uh you know, that's why there's, you know, uh, prototypes at every position, uh, you know, to to make things easier once you you know, learn the concepts. Uh I mean I I could I mean I could play uh I can play Madden all day and, you know, hit open receivers, but I'll, I'll never be an NFL quarterback. It's just not, not in the cards for me.
0: Oh, yeah, there's a lot of all pros there That's on good. Madden uh, each and every day. Uh, Justin Blaylock, our guest here on uh, 3 and Out. Justin, appreciate the time. Thanks so much.
4: Uh, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: Appreciate it. Justin Blaylock joining us here on 3 and Out and uh, kind of talking about some of the things that we're seeing happen. There have been, uh, we've got about 30 seconds, Jalen Mayfield, a tackle in college, playing guard. Now for the Atlanta
2: Falcons. it get exposed in games like last night because at the end of the day, yes, everybody's going to have to do something that's uncomfortable for them when you get to the National Football League. But it's one thing to have to do it to to, to fill a need or a void, and it's another thing to have to do it every single day. As he mentioned, I play fullback. For a couple of games, and once they <laughs> saw that, you know, once they saw the run game go down, I mean, six-five coming through the hole against a six-foot linebacker—that's not a recipe for success.
0: Yeah, we've got more to come here on three and out. Take three right around the corner as well. It is three and out on this Friday afternoon. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live at dot also live streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Here on this Friday, Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Glad you were with us. We'll take three right around the corner. Also, look at some quarterback. Comparisons around college football as we come down the home stretch of the season. And again, we'll continue to look at this. Falcons football team and how they can possibly get better uh, going down the stretch. Quick update, fellas, from the RSM Classic. Uh, Still a number of guys, not as many quite done as there were uh, yesterday at this time. But uh, you've got uh, your leader right now at uh, minus 13, Sebastian Munoz. Uh, Yesterday's leader is at minus 12. Uh, Zach Johnson, minus 10, a host of guys there at minus 10. And he leads the group of local guys there atop... Uh, that leaderboard, Zach Johnson, uh, Saint Simon's Island resident, there at minus ten. Some higher scores today, Kevin. You think that's wind-related, p- potentially? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I think there's a, uh, a situation where it's a little bit uh, windy out there, and that affects uh, how 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 scoring goes. Quite frankly, and I've seen uh, from uh, from playing out there a long, long time ago. Uh, you hit it up in the wind, and it can just totally uh, knock it down, and, uh, and that's it or push it off to from uh, from the left to the right, completely change uh, your shot. So uh, that is uh, certainly a factor out there. And if that continues, we may not see the scores creep very much higher. Higher. But uh, Taylor Gooch, your leader right now at 13 under, as I said, shot five under uh, today. And he is atop your leaderboard
2: at the moment. I mean, Kevin, I mean, uh, you know, I always go to you when it comes to baseball. I don't play no golf. What would be your strategy for me if somebody was crazy enough to let me in a tournament of any significance? Uh, if you were playing out there, I would say,
0: <laughs> and you may not do it on purpose, uh, but you may want to hit it low, kind of a low-line drive. Keep, keep it down out of the wind and let it try to roll. That's the best strategy. Well, I do, I Sometimes do a, you hang I do it up there, regardless. and it's like you, you put it up in the wind and let the, the wind take over, and who knows where <laughs> it's going. And with me, and I don't know, I've not ever seen you swing. I know you did go out and play with Christian one time. It made me you have no idea where it's going. So the best case scenario is keep it low. That way it has less ability to really get away from it. Just go straight wherever it's going. You like, I mean, I, golf coaching 101 right there. We'll come back, hour two. Hour two on this Friday. Glad you're with us. Kevin, BJ, and Ben will do a little either or with college football quarterbacks coming up here in just a, a little bit. Also, uh, we'll look at, Georgia Tech-Notre Dame coming up this weekend. 17-point underdogs will have our picks sure to go wrong coming up in the final hour of the program as well. But first, fellas, let's take three here on 3-and-out. All right, take one, Shohei Otani just unanimously won the AL MVP after 47 homers, 26 stolen bases, a 318 ERA with 156 strikeouts and 130 and a third innings pitched. Where does his season rank? All time, in your estimation? I mean, Kevin, you tell
1: me if this is off base, but I, I, I think it's in the conversation for best ever. I, I do, and that doesn't mean it is the best ever. And I know baseball has a long history, and you know, countless stats you can measure production and proficiency with. But offensively alone, right? So if you just look at his offensive production, the combination of speed and power, only like seven or eight guys have ever met the minimums he just, he just had offensively. Then you add to that and again you haven't had very many unanimous MVPs either. Then you add to that the production of what would be and I don't know if maybe you need a few more innings to be considered this Kevin, but a, a just a, a a frontline starter. I mean 150 strikeouts is normally considered kind of the kind of the bar. If you have a 3.18 ERA in the American League, that's normally good enough for Cy Young consideration. So he had one of the all-time great offensive seasons, a really good season as a pitcher, and did both. Now, you know, it's interesting to think that the Angels with, with Otani and Mike Trout still are struggling and can't get into the playoffs. But in terms of best seasons, I think it has to be up there. I think it has to be considered just because of the, the the dual threat. I mean, you think about that in 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 football, but man, you're you're doing it at the plate, you're doing it on the mound. I think it's got to be up there as one of the best we've ever seen. It,
2: it, 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 it might be the best we ever seen, Kevin and BJ, because what you just said. If he just if he just if we're just looking at him, you know, what I'm saying as a as a hitter, look at what he did. Then you talk about what he did as a pitcher. And Otani makes people think, oh man, this is why you let uh, pitchers hit. No. Hey, he's not the reason why you let pitchers hit, cause he's not a pitcher. He's a weapon. He can do anything. I think. I mean, I don't know if. I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, Kevin has Tony ever played in the outfield? I'm just. I'm just trying to say. Uh, so he can do it all. Basically, wherever you need him at, he's not good at it, BJ. And Kevin, he's excellent at it. So the thing is, we start. And when you say it's the best, it's not taking away guys that had seasons like this. But you're gonna have to. Look. It's gonna be a very, 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 very short list. Forty-seven and twenty-six. He was almost a part of the 30-30 club. The 30. and I know I know Kevin, the 40-40 club is very, very exclusive. But he also is a pitcher doing this. So when you talk about the best pitchers in there, we talk about the best hitters in there. We're talking about one of the best players there. Otani is a, you know, he's one he's a once-in-a-lifetime type player. And Kevin, I mean BJ, I do it, I do uh, you know, like what you said about him and Mike Trout. You like how Dude, I don't know. You got two, you can you got the best player in baseball and the best all-around player. In baseball, on the same team, so I don't mind saying it's the best. And the thing about it is, okay, but now because he's done it, what you're gonna be expecting him to have what? Fifty, 50 what? Fifty-five home runs next year? Forty stolen bases? That's asking a lot. It, it's, it is, but I think with a time, I think he makes it look easy doing it. There are utility players, and they are every, or they are you know uh, guys that can flat out do it all. Tony can do it all.
0: Yeah, I think uh, this is, he he's such an interesting guy because uh, I think this might be a guy that that harkens you back, especially when you're talking about. Things being discussed around baseball about universal DH and potentially tying the DH to pitching changes. Well, okay, so I'm going to change my starter to lose the DH. Well, I'll just put Otani after he's done pitching and and he stays in the game. So I think that – I don't think you're going to see it to this level, but are there other teams that start to look at this, much like Bill Belichick uh, did in football and said, look, you're not just a defensive end. Hmm. You're also my fullback. You're not just a wide receiver. You're a corner. Okay, let me get a guy that can pitch. Can you play outfield? Can you hit enough that it's worth my while to let you take batting practice and work on those things? Those guys may be few and far between in the age of specialization, but I think it's going to merit at least consideration. Are there more guys than just him out there that can that can do it? Now, where's it rank all time? I will say it's the best we've ever seen because we have not been alive to see the entirety of of uh, of Major League Baseball. I mean, baseball is one of those sports. It goes back 100-plus Years worth of history. And how do you contextualize what Otani did this year versus what Babe Ruth did in the 19-teens when he was playing for Boston pitching and hitting? Okay? So Babe Ruth had, let's say he had 20 home runs and a sub-2 ERA. Okay, one, they were playing less games, but two, a 20-home run guy, he was hitting more home runs himself than over half the league as, as a team was. So how do you contextualize that and put it up to today's standards where 47 home runs is a, uh, is a big deal. But, yeah, I will say it's got to be up there. Uh, not being around for all 100 and X number seasons of Major League Baseball, I will say I've not seen anybody in my lifetime pull a feed off like that where you can pitch, pitch proficiently. you got greater than a 9Ks per 9 ratio, so you're over a strikeout an inning. 3 ERA in today's game is pretty dang good. I, I think if you go to most people and say, give me a 3 ERA, I'll take it. Better than five and six, which we do see a lot of starters with that. And the fact that he is that proficient on the mound and can also get you 47 homers. Oh, by the way, you always hear, oh, we don't want our pitchers running. He stole 26 bases. I think the steal, the hit and run, the steal game starting to maybe make a turn back in where you get guys like Acuna who can do it. You want to utilize that. Uh, So to have a guy that can do it all, I have not seen anybody in my lifetime be able to do that. There have been guys like Adam Wainwright can hit he hit like that. You know, I mean, there have been a couple other guys that can hit that also pitch, but they don't hit like that. So I think it is something just completely u- unique. And again, it didn't matter where the Angels finished. He was going to be the MVP because, I mean, <laughs> who can do that uh, besides him right now Major League Baseball? Moving along, fellas, take two. Should Bryce Harper have won the National League MVP? I know a lot of folks in Braves country might be upset about that, but should he have won the National League MVP. Yeah, and
1: we were talking during the break a little bit about Austin Riley because, Kevin, comparing and contrasting some of the numbers, and granted, this is just one one stat, but, you know, Bryce Harper had 151 hits. Uh, Austin Riley had 179. Austin Riley had more RBI. You know, the, the, the batting averages are, are very comparable, and, of course, Riley did it for a team that won the division and won the World Series. Uh, I think that maybe the 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 relatively slow start that you talked about might be something that that limited Riley, you know, Harper was in the conversation all season and he was very good. Though the Phillies did not win the division, he was very good, especially late in the year. And and I guess maybe Kevin the counter against Austin Riley would be, "Hey, you were on a team where, you know, everybody had over 25 home runs or whatever it yep. was and Freddie Freeman and, you know, the additions at the trade deadline. You bring these guys in and they're all incredible. And when you look at Philadelphia, Harper was more singularly responsible for their production. And by the true definition of the MVP, if you want to tell me that, okay, I'll hear that. I think if Tatis is healthy, he probably wins it going away. Uh, But I do think Austin Riley... Deserve to be more in the conversation than he was, and I think the numbers reflect that. Now, now one thing that Harper was exceptionally good at, in addition to lowering his strikeouts and batting above 300, had over 100 walks, and I do think that's an yeah, under, Riley yeah, was not even close. Right, and I do think that's an underappreciated stat in baseball sometimes. And when you're a leadoff hitter, and that's what Harper is, your job is to get on base. We've all seen Moneyball: get on base, no difference in a single and a walk. So. Yes, when I look at the numbers, Harper had a really good, really balanced year. Didn't get his team into the playoffs, but I can I I can agree with it. Yes, Bryce Harper for MVP.
2: I mean, Bryce Harper, real similar to Otani BJ, is the fact that you are a really really good player on a bad team. I mean, you would think that the MVP would come from a player that's a contributor on a good team. But Bryce Harper, let's face it, they weren't. What, he wasn't. Well, I mean, what, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll, well, I, I, what, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, when you think about a guy like Bryce Harper, it's always going to be out of this world expectations when you talk about him. Man, and I and I think what happens is he didn't tail off. He's a guy to where you know coming to every single season BJ, BJU, you, you always got me into. He's a 200 hitter. The teams he's on is not as good. No, he understood that. He understood this year. I mean, being a being a leadoff hitter, I mean, maybe a guy like uh, you know Ronald Cunha Jr. has made all the leadoff hitters understand that. Look, man, we can't just be good. We have to be outstanding yeah. with what we bring to these teams. And Bryce Harper, let's face it, Kevin, he can't have OK season. He had a, he had a, he had a he had a phenomenal season this year. It doesn't mean the guys around him. Did not have a phenomenal season like you know uh, like an Austin Riley and things of that nature. But I think when you look at a guy like Bryce Harper, he understands that I have to play well in order for my team to have any success. And he just have he have to have one of those years. And I just think that we expect Bryce Harper to be okay and still get the fanfare. No, he was phenomenal. He earned it all this year. And 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 uh, you know he you know, he won he won the MVP. I thought he was going to get it. now Tatis, Kevin. I mean I know we were talking about you talking about a guy that is rare. I mean, well, I, that dude's good. I mean, he, he, so the thing is, I look at who you, I look at who you were, who you, know, who you were, um, you know, in the running for. Tatis is about as good as you could be at the shortstop position with all the six three six four type of things he can do. I think he would hurt his knee or something like that to kept playing. But yes, Bryce Harper lived up because he he lived up the expectations this year. Obviously, what you know, the best player in the NL
0: this year. So, hey, man, shout out to Bryce Harper getting it done. Yeah, I, look, and, I, and I'm surprised, BJ. You actually said yeah because I know you're not a huge Bryce Harper guy. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I just look at what he does. He he did for his team. And I know the last week of the regular season or the last series in Atlanta, thankfully, he was not very good. Uh, and and the Braves were able to, to secure the division. I, that's why I take a little umbrage if he was on a bad team. They weren't a great team. I don't think they were a bad team. No. But, but I but I but I look at the. Uh, I look at the MVP this way, and I think more so uh, in baseball, it makes sense to view it through this prism because, again, if we just look at the MVP as who's the best player, well, you know, in the the recent years, LeBron James would just get it every year without even playing any basketball games. I mean, to me, I look at most valuable as just that. You take this guy off of this team, and where are they? You take Austin Riley off the Braves, they're still pretty good. I, I think they're still pretty good. You take Bryce Harper off that Phillies team, and... I don't know if they're talking about contending in September. Oh, and, I agree, and And, I agree. and again, I, I think he is really, really good. Tatis, really, really good. The fact that he was injured by some time, I think, might have hurt him in the long run. But, And the fact that I think if you really come down to it, Bryce Harper's team was close to making the playoffs. They did finish, I think, right at or maybe just above 500, somewhere around there. Trying to go off the top of my head. Tatis' team, way out of it. They were below 500. Granted, they were in a very tough division, but they were way out of it uh and, and below 500 i i have no problem with bryce harper winning because i think if you take him off of the the phillies and the braves were walking that division uh in a big big way so uh, uh riley i think his time will come i think the strikeouts are a big detractor i think the walks on uh, the fact that you didn't get a whole lot could be a big detractor and the fact that you play on a team with freddie freeman and for the last two months played on a team with freddie freeman jorge Soler. Uh, you know, you play with some dudes now. I mean, that's that's like saying, should, uh, you know, back in the in the 90s, was was Derek Jeter going to win the MVP? And, like, everybody on the team was an all-star. Like, yeah, you're good, but daggum. I mean, everybody in that lineup was uh, amazing. So, I think maybe that detracted from Austin Riley a little bit as well. And, you know, Freddie Freeman didn't actually have a, a slouch of a season uh, himself. Quickly, one more take three. Cam is the starter for the Panthers. What are fair expectations for him?
1: The rest of the season. Be himself. Make plays. Uh, I think you're talking about one of the great quarterbacks of this era. And I know a lot of people are excited. I am to see him back with the Panthers. I think he makes Carolina a, a playoff contender. And I know you're talking about a team that's that, that's 500 right now, but I think you're talking about Carolina being a team, Ben, that has the potential to make the playoffs. You have a quarterback that can beat you through the air. You have a quarterback that can beat you on the ground. You have a quarterback that's a leader. You have a quarterback that wins games. It's a winner. I think, I think Cam Newton in Carolina, back in Carolina, back in the game, back starting is good for the NFL. And and what do you want him to do? Make plays, make those around him better. That's what he's always done. And I think you'll see that out of Cam.
2: Uh, a jolt of energy. You saw what he was able to bring to the table against like you know Arizona Cardinals team, and everybody's gonna say it's gonna be contending. When you got Cam Newton on your team, your expectation level, you know your your, your level of play raises up to another level, and your expectation changes. I mean, do I expect Carolina to win this division though? No. Do I expect it to be a potential wild card team yet? I mean, Matt Rule. I mean, Matt Rule got a mulligan. He was like, "Wait a minute." I mean, Sam Daughter's not here. I, know, I mean, I know I got you no know, P.J. Walker. Cam Newton is available. You go out there and get him. You got to change up what you do on offense. Yes, you get to add more to it. So yes, you look at you look at the way Brian Burns and his defense and Shaq Thompson. Those guys are playing on defense. When you have a Cam Newton, you walk. You know, you you know, you walk with your chest out a little bit because that's six, five, 250 coming downhill. You got to deal with it. So I think that Cam is gonna bring that life back to it. And Kevin and BJ, let's, let's, let's face it. You had no reason to watch without Cam. Now you have a reason to watch. He is must see TV. So yes, I think uh, you know, realistic expectations, you don't bring him back. Just like a fat ass you don't want to waste Cam's talent because this is this is the this is the latter end of his of his career. He might have three or four good years left. Let's get the most out of this guy while we have him, while he's healthy. And while we got a, a, a solid running game, some solid weapons, and a good defense behind him, you got a chance to make some noise in the NFC and potentially slide into the potential wildcard team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, is anybody in that division tracking down Tampa Bay? No, I, I don't no. Think so. no. So no, I mean, we, that's we strictly wild card. I, I think that's right the now. that's why you go make that move is you're going to try to get yourself in uh, in one of those wild card spots and see what happens. So I think that's the realistic expectation. I mean, you you come in mid season, your job is to get up to speed quick. And hopefully we win some games with you and get there in the in the playoffs and, and let the chips uh, fall where they may. That's take three. We do it every day this time. We're coming back. We're looking at quarterbacks around college football. You got one game to win. Who do you like? And a, a topsy-turvy year that's been college football. Should be an interesting discussion. Next, it's 3 and Out. Hit us up on Twitter at Pinkskin Radio. Good to have you here 3 and Out on this Friday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, thanks for making us a part of your day. Got a little fun exercise. I guess we should call it. BJ said... We're going to do either or. I think it's who do you trust? Who do you trust? One game to win it all. He's renaming.
1: He's renaming the segment. First, he's saying exercise is fun. Then he's renaming the. When did I I say that? Go ahead. You said you got a fun exercise coming up. Oh, yes. Okay.
0: That. Yeah. They're they're fun exercise. Okay. So, one game to win. You got one game. I'm going to give you two quarterbacks. You got to pick one. Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? Alabama and Ohio State. Yeah,
1: you may have a little bit of a uh more consistent downfield element with Stroud, but I, I I love Bryce Young. I think we're probably not fully appreciating Ben what he's done because of the numbers we've seen at Alabama. I'll take I'll take Young in that one.
2: Yes, Bryce Young is really, really good at taking care of the football runs when he has to, uh not just not because he has legs. So give me Bryce Young, a guy that's you know growing up before our eyes and you know getting it done week by week.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm going to go Bryce Young on that one. I'm, I'm very close to going C.J. Stroud when it's all said and done. Sam Howell or Matt Corral? So North Carolina or Ole Miss?
1: I think, I think Matt Corral has been really proficient this year. He doesn't have the huge touchdown numbers, but he's protected the football. He has 10 rushing touchdowns, by the way. I know I know Howell's had a nice year running the ball as well, but I I, I think I trust Matt Corral more. I think the interceptions worry me, Ben, a little bit with Howell, so uh, give me Matt Corral.
2: Of course it's Matt Corral, BJ. You're talking about 10 touchdowns. That's a great year for a running back. you talk talking about a guy, Matt Corral, who's going to take care of the football. And Matt Corral is in a system that fits his skill set. Not a, not, a, not a system that fits anybody's skill set. I like Sam Howell, but he throws the ball to the other team too much. Yeah. Give me Matt Corral. Yeah,
0: Matt Corral's the, the answer here. I mean, Sam Howell, if we're talking about winning one game, what's the one big game that Sam Howell's won? Woo! But is he
2: dropping gems? I mean, come at him. Good
0: afternoon. I mean, come at him. I'm just what 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 what,
2: what, oh, oh, oh what did two, oh, I what did I say oh, listen, what did I say listen, I was wrong. Listen,
0: oh, oh, two, he puts okay. up great stats. Put, beat I mean, Miami,
1: he's, beat Miami is a true freshman. Won won the bowl
0: game. Uh, okay, I hear you. I'm not saying he's never won one. I'm just saying what's your what's your what you're gonna put forward is like Crick, yeah you, crickets crickets Stets at Bennett or Hinton Hooker got to win one game. You guys know
1: that proficiency is 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 what I look towards. Both these guys are elite. I think Stetson Bennett still in the top three. Didn't they just play Hooker, with one game to Seven win? or eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would. I know the, the teams weren't the equal, but yeah. right now, I think the more consistent option is Stetson Bennett, and probably probably a guy that if you have a great defense, you can trust too to kind of manage the game. I, I like Stetson Bennett's downfield ability too. I will take Stetson Bennett.
2: I, I, oh man! I mean, I always say one thing in the, before the show, and then you got you get the thing about it. Stetson Bennett has grown up before our eyes. BJ and Kevin, the last two years, I think I think he's good enough to win a game for you, even if his yeah. defense was subpar. But and he's done it on the number one team in the country. Big games, give me Stetson Bennett.
0: But can he win one game? That's what Georgia Pedro. That's, that's the question. Oh, oh, yeah, we had to win one game. Say. That's and that's what everybody hopes. When it comes to the end of the season, was that one game uh, at the end of the year? I, I, in this scenario, I think I would lean uh, Stetson. Brennan Armstrong or Will Rogers? So, Virginia and Mississippi State, two guys that can wing it. If you go up to them and say, hey, fellas, I'm going to need both of you all to throw it 55, 60 times. Today. Oh, we're good, coach. Who Who's going who to win you that I, one game?
1: I actually think I would I would go Armstrong. I know Rogers has been red hot, had like a half for the ages for the record books against Auburn. Armstrong leads the nation in yards per game, and I think the mobility, right? If, if, if for whatever reason you're off base – Throwing the football downfield, Armstrong is great on the move. Can run uh, now. Rogers is putting up PlayStation numbers, but I think the versatility of Brendan Armstrong. I might go Armstrong.
2: I'm gonna go with Armstrong, BJ, because I want to win a game. If I want to, if I want a great moment, oh man, I'm gonna go with Rod. He gonna give you some great moments, but I want, I want to get that W at the end of the day. So give me old Mister Armstrong.
0: All right, uh, man, that one is tough. I, I will. I, I guess I will lean with you guys and go Armstrong, but. I think they're pretty, pretty close. Kenny Pickett at Pitt or Caleb Williams? You got to win one game. Caleb Williams, Oklahoma. Uh, Kenny Pickett at Pitt.
1: I like Kenny Pickett. I I do. I, I think I trust him a little more. You're talking about a guy that's mean, Kevin, you were asking about the big games, the big wins for Howell. I mean, Pickett has seemingly sure. been at Pitt forever. I mean, yep. forever. And. Uh, takes care of the football, but also pushes it downfield. I think a little more consistent than Caleb Williams, I'll take Pickett.
2: I'm going to take Pickett, too. I think Pickett is a guy that's obviously – I mean, BJ, you talking about how long you've been in college. That don't mean you're going to have success. I mean, but Kenny Pickett is a guy that finds a way to get it done. Caleb Williams, I mean, dual-threat QB, but Caleb Williams is in a system that has served a lot of quarterbacks well. Kenny okay. Pickett is making you watch Pitt because of his play. Give me Kenny Pickett. Yeah, and I think the, the, the game
0: that he lost – or the two games he lost, one he threw for, what, like 400 yards? Uh, and then the other one— and Six touchdowns. Six touchdowns. The other one was Miami, and I think they put up 34 points. So it's like they, he still went out and did uh, his gig. I will I will say uh, Kenny Pickett in that scenario. Got to win one game. Got to win one game. Malik Cunningham at Louisville has really played well. Or Sam Hartman at Wake Forest. And uh, I know Malik Cunningham, a lot of folks are talking like, You don't pay attention to him because you have so many other guys in the – it's hard to believe we talk about the ACC and ACC itself. They really do have a lot of pretty good quarterback play going on. But uh, Malik, Cunningham, or Sam Hartman?
1: All right, this time yesterday I probably would have said Hartman because I wrote a story on Southern Pigskin. I think Hartman is probably a guy that deserves some Heisman Trophy attention. Look at what Wake Forest has done offensively. But Cunningham had one of the great games in the history of the sport last night. If you missed it, he had over 320 yards passing and I think five or six touchdowns through the air and had over 220 yards rushing and a couple of more scores on the ground. You're talking about a guy that has done some pretty incredible like Lamar Jackson type stuff offensively during his career. I think he's got a stronger body of work overall than Hartman Cunningham elite Cunningham has been awesome this year awesome and last night he was absolutely amazing so I will take Cunningham
2: I'll take Cunningham as well BJ sometimes you gotta look at who these people are coming behind you don't think Cunningham doesn't understand the look you come to you come to Louisville because you want to be able to do it all with your arms with your legs and you gotta you gotta watch that play last night I mean people think he's about to run out of bounds he's running away from guys and he's making it look easy Shout to Mr. Cunningham who don't got the weapons he had a couple of years ago but still find a way to get it done
0: yeah I I'm going to go with Malik Cunningham so well. I hate to keep agreeing with you guys, and it's not it's just anybody's us. fault. No, I'm <laughs> saying, but, like, every time I hear Sam Hartman, I expect to hear, Sam Hartman, weekend weatherman. Like, today's the game temperature will be <laughs> he scored 70 only. I'm not saying he didn't score 70. I'm not saying he doesn't put up points. He put up numbers. But you hear Sam Hartman. I think of, maybe it's because when I was in Atlanta, there was a guy named Bill Hartman who did the sports. Uh, on a TV in Atlanta so here, that, that, that maybe might, that that's might
2: why, and it might be his relative. Who knows? It, it might very well be. We move <laughs>
0: along. Uh, well, a couple more to go here. One game to win: Emory Jones at Florida, or Jordan Travis at Florida State. Boy, that's. Uh, and when you talking about, about this year I hadn't done a whole lot of winning either one of them. Well, you think
1: about video game numbers though. I mean, I know the story of the Florida Sanford game was Sanford basically did whatever they wanted to in the first half had what, 40 points or something crazy like that? Mm -hmm. But Emory Jones broke all kind of records in that game with throwing the football, the touchdowns. You know, maybe hasn't lived up to expectations overall, but was really good last Saturday. But I think there's something about Jordan Travis. Uh, You know, Florida State has not been great. But you think about the wins over North Carolina. You think about the 4th and 14 against Miami on Saturday. He's got a feel for the moment that's pretty impressive. The late, you know, drives against uh, against Notre Dame. You think about what he's been able to do late in games. I will go with Jordan Travis. He seems to be one of those
2: clutch football players. This is process versus progress. And, I mean, I know, I know that uh, Benjamin Jones has been through the process, but jordan travis is a guy that just keeps getting better game in and game out you know understand this is a guy that couldn't throw the football a year ago now he's added throwing the football to his game and both guys are threats. But for one game i think jordan travis is the guy i'm gonna go with i think he's battle tested give me jordan travis wow
0: this is a tough choice uh i guess i'll go jordan travis I, I, and again both have had their moments where they've had to give way to other quarterbacks on the field I will go Jordan Travis slightly. Here's uh, another Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech or Jordan Yates, who also plays at Georgia Tech. Yeah, I guess had, I guess yeah. you're asking who should start, basically. Is that the, yeah? Uh, you've
1: had a couple of quarterbacks play. I think you've had you know some fans say we want to see more of this. I I like Jeff Sims. Um, and and I'm not sure that the play calling has been very consistent. Sometimes I've watched Georgia Tech offensively and. It hasn't necessarily been the guys out there. It's kind of what are you doing with the play calls? And I understand it's easy to judge that from afar and say, hey, I, that play didn't work. You shouldn't have done that. I understand it's all hindsight. with, But I, I think Sims, if he's in the right offense, and there's a little more rhythm to the play calling, I think he can be really, really effective. I was a big fan of his as a recruit coming out of the Jacksonville area. I I will stay with Sims.
2: I like I like Jordan Yates because I, I like a guy that uh, definitely gets uh, Georgia Tech better in the passing game and hand the ball off to Jameer Gibbs and get on out the way. And then you, so now you've got a solid running game with a guy who can get the ball down the field. I always like – a better pass of being a former receiver and a guy that can hand the ball off. You know, there's nothing hard to say, Coach. Run the football. I got you. throwing the football. Give me Mr. Yates.
0: Yeah, I guess considering they're both playing in the same uh, system here, I, I would i would lean Jordan Yates because of what Ben said. Throws throws it maybe a little bit better, a little more consistent uh, at the end of the day. Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati or Malik Willis at Liberty? Two really Ooh. good quarterbacks. Two guys that are going to get their name called come NFL draft time.
1: Yeah, I think you have two first-round picks there. Um... I think Ritter for me a little more consistent uh, and and maybe a little more fluid week to week. Uh, you haven't seen a couple of weeks where the numbers haven't been there. He's normally going to give you you know a really good solid effort. He's I think a little more predictable. Uh, Willis, I think about the Syracuse game earlier in the year and a couple of games that, that that Liberty has lost. I like both those guys a lot. That's a tough one, but I think at this point you know Ritter's team is still undefeated, knocking on the door of the playoff. I will take Ritter.
2: I'm gonna go Desmond Ritter for the simple fact that BJ and Kevin he didn't he didn't tuck and run when he when he he probably could have jumped to the transfer portal went to another school because of the type of player he is. No, I'm gonna do it right here in Cincinnati with the Bearcats. Look at Georgia last year in the Peach Bowl. If they don't got a kicker with a freaking cannon in his leg, I think uh Cincinnati wins that game. Love Malik Willis, so I think he's gonna be gonna get you out the higher than Desmond. But Desmond is battle tested and once again, dual threat quarterbacks that are efficient passers. That's what you're, He is a passer with legs, not a runner who can throw.
0: I'm going to go Malik Willis. I, I think you get a little bit more explosiveness with him at at quarterback. Okay. I like that. So in a one-game must-win, give you the guy that can uh, really come out and give you that little bit extra dynamic, I'm going to go Malik Willis. And finally, JT Daniels or Spencer Radler. Georgia and Oklahoma, two guys we talked about a lot preseason. Neither one of them currently playing.
2: At I, this point,
1: I was going to say, I mean, at the beginning of the year, were those guys the two Heisman favorites? Yeah, J
2: T. Daniels might have been the Heisman. J T. was the, the uh, yeah. betting favorite, yeah. And,
1: and now neither guy is starting. I, I think Spencer Rattler, you know, the relative production wasn't what it had been at, at Oklahoma. You know, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and you're seeing Jalen Hurts, and the expectation is if you don't come out and throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns, you're getting benched. I still think he has a lot to offer. You know, J T. Daniels, I think. Hey, inconsistent, and I think the upside is clearly there. The talent is clearly there, but I think you've quite frankly seen more
2: from Rattler, so
1: I will I will take Spencer Rattler.
2: I will take Spencer Rattler because I want a guy that's going to bet on himself, bet on his talent, bet on his arm. Spencer Rattler, he's going to get the ball down the field. JT Daniels, Listen, BJ. The best ability, availability. He's not going to be available. He's very, He's hurt, and and I and I think it's kind of gunshot sometimes. I don't want to. I don't want a guy that's going to try to play mistake free football. Be willing to make some mistakes. That I means you believe in it yourself. But Spencer Rattler, you don't have to worry about him pushing the ball down the field. Got beat out, but I would go with Spencer Rattler. Yeah, I'm going to go with Spencer
0: Rattler as well. Just uh, get a little more dynamic playmaking ability. I think uh, JT's been injured uh, a little bit more and availability can and we saw some inconsistent play when he was there uh when he was playing He you have a really good again small sample size i hate to throw it all on him but it's kind of up and down play i'll go with uh, with spencer rattler there as well so a little quick gotta win one game who you take do you agree with us disagree with us hit us up on twitter at pig radio love to hear from you we've got more to come out on this friday kevin b champion we were just going through quarterback exercises there In that last segment, you're going to have to have some good quarterback exercises if you're Jeff Collins this week at Notre Dame. Yellow Jackets are 17-point underdogs. You've lost four in a row. you got Notre Dame. Then Georgia, you're looking at a 3-9 and season. Uh, Again, that'll be three straight seasons of three wins. Where do you see this Yellow Jacket program right now? Obviously, recruiting's gotten gotten, uh, better with Jeff Collins, but... When does that translate into wins? We had Joe Hamilton on earlier this week. We said, "Where, where are they getting better on the field?" He's like, "I on the field, don't see it yet." Where are you at with that program?
1: Yeah, um, we knew there was going to be a considerable transition. I think you know, Ben, we were at the we were at the spring game uh, the first year of, of of Jeff Collins, and you knew that it was going to take some time. But I think you are to the point now where you want to see some more consistent improvement. And this schedule is brutal, okay? Go back to the beginning uh, of the year, the preseason. We were looking at it going, if if Georgia Tech gets bowl eligible, maybe you're talking about coach of the year type stuff for Jeff Collins. Maybe the toughest schedule in all of college football, but at the end of the day, it doesn't seem like you're seeing consistent progress. You know, you'll have it. The North Carolina game at Mercedes-Benz, Georgia Tech was great. Sims was awesome. Wes Jackson and those guys, tackles for loss, sacks, all over the place. But you haven't been able to have two or three games in a row. And for me, Ben, I think maybe you asked uh, Joe Ham earlier in the week, this is a question that I can't answer right now. What is Georgia Tech's identity? And, you know, you think about certain teams, you know what they want to do. You know what the goals are. You know how they win games. I think it's hard to answer that for Georgia Tech. And I think progress is needed, yes. Wins are needed, yes. But I think you need some clarity in terms of – and maybe there's more there than I'm giving it credit for. But watching from afar, it doesn't seem like there's great clarity as to kind of what the goals are. And maybe it's a work in progress. I, I get it. But I think you want to see a little more consistency. And I think it's fair to be, be a little frustrated.
2: Yeah, it, it is okay to be frustrated. I mean, is, is the pressure mountain. Yes. I mean, Georgia Tech is a team that matters and a conference that matters. But I think sometimes uh, we, get caught, we, too, we get too caught up in the end result to look past the, to look past the progress that's being made. If, 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 if we look at the totality of a, you know, of a season, this is the same Georgia Tech team that came two point shorts against the Clemson team that, regardless of how they were, or weren't playing at that point. The same Georgia Tech team who had their way in the Mercedes Benz Dome against North Carolina. The same Georgia team that probably should have beaten Miami. I think what happens is when you don't get the end result, that's when you like magnify everything that's not going on. No progress is being made. You got two quarterbacks now. Jeff Sims understands now. He's going to have to play well because he got a guy behind him that can take his job. Jameer Gibbs is one of the premier uh, running backs in the country. I remember when when no, no. If you were a team in the Southeast, you wanted Jameer Gibbs. So people ask – But has he been featured like he should in your mind? He hasn't. And sometimes, BJ and Kevin, that's overthinking, right? Listen, we always got the answers over here. Now, make no mistake about it. Now, fans, people that have nothing to do with the program, just ask us, we got you. But I think sometimes, too – and I had to learn this too. Progress is not always going to show up in the win column. That doesn't mean you're not getting better as a team. I'm going to tell you why. Jameer Gibbs shows that you are still recruiting big-time players. And we forget, you were going away from a culture of football, not just a brand. When you talk about what Georgia Tech was as a culture or a brand of football, you were getting away from that offensively. Now, Jeff Collins say, oh, man, look at what he did in Florida. No, when you have one side of the ball compared to the whole team, it's different. Joe Ham is arguably one of the greatest to ever come through Georgia Tech, and he, was, he wasn't pulling no punches. But I just think sometimes if, if, if Georgia Tech had a winning record, right, and they're getting ready to go to a bowl game, but they still had the same difficulties, people look at it different. I do know Kevin and BJ, it's a bottom line business. If you're not winning, they don't want to hear about the progress. They don't want to hear about the process because they both say, hey, the goal is to get the six wins, but you look at who they played. You start breaking that. Okay, now I will say this: college football is very forgiving week by week. Jeff Collins and Georgia Tech pull off the—I no, oh, almost said—pull off the win against Notre Dame. I don't know if all is forgiving, but they'll say, "Wait a minute, let's go back and look at these games a little bit closer." Now that's easier said than done because Notre Dame find themselves to be in these very, very hard-fought four-quarter games. But Kevin, BJ, I'll ask y'all: when you start looking at progress of a team. What gives you confidence moving forward that they're moving in the right direction? Or do you say, hey, man, maybe Jeff Collins has done all he can do with this with this brand, with the, with, with this set of players, and maybe it's time for somebody else to try to pick up where he left off?
0: Well, I, again, I don't know if it's he's done all he can do with this set of players, but I look at it, and as BJ said, you have one of the best players in the country at the running back spot, and there's been times where you just really haven't given him the ball in key moments, and, and that's kind of sports 101. Don't overthink it. Give the ball to your best guy and let him do it. And. It, And if I'm going to get beat, it's like that basketball thing. Of course I'm going to give the ball to Jordan at the end. If I'm going to lose, he's going to have it in his hands, right? He's either going to give it to somebody sober or he's going to take the last shot. And I'm going to give it to my best guy and say, you make the decision and you go win it for us one way or the other. Not, hey, I guarantee you the play call wasn't, hey, give it to Steve Kerr, Mike, you go stand over there. No, it was, we're going to use you either to draw people and get an open shot for your teammate or you are taking the last shot. Uh, because I, I, I can handle losing with my best guy. And I think that's what uh, Georgia Tech's got to get to. I think defensively, I don't know how you can say there's been progress. Uh, I, I, I just don't. Uh, You are a defensive head coach. Ben, I know you just said, hey, as a head coach, I'm over more than just the defense. But you are a defensive head coach. You have a guy coaching with you who uh, I believe came with you from Temple, and you have an experienced secondary, and they have gotten worse. I, I, there's just no way uh, to, uh, to, to to cover that up. And I think defensively you got to get better, and I think there's got to be changes made. Maybe not with him, but as I said uh, pre-show, if you're three wins, three wins, three wins, after three years you've won nine in three years, and you don't think somebody needs to be fired, maybe that's on you. Uh, maybe you you are the reason with what's wrong. I mean, you have to be able to look at that program and say, look, win, win, win. We have not gotten better in that column. Not once in the three years I've been here. Something's got to change uh, inside that program. we got more to come here on 3 and Out. We'll get to our picks. Sure to go wrong. And Christian, showed me the standings a minute ago. Mm, mm, mm. I am going the wrong way uh, in in those things. We'll get to those coming up in the final hour. Of 3 and Out, Southern Picks and Radio Network.